0: This one is called Survival or Revival. Survival or Revival. So by the way, if you're new here, welcome. Glad that you're here. And uh, we are Young Adults Ministry. And we are here to help you through this stage of life called being a young adult where you're just like, Maybe you left high school recently or maybe a couple years ago. You're in college or you're out of college, but it's a time of transition. And those times of transition can often be really confusing because you're wondering, what is God's will for my life? Maybe it's a time when you're single and you're trying to figure out, you know, who God is calling you to marry. Or maybe you're recently married and it's just all new for you or you're engaged or all these transitional moments, that's why we're here. Because I think if we just don't have a ministry like this, There are so many questions that you can't just cover on a Sunday in a large church. And so we have a lot of leaders here to help guide you through those questions. And those leaders also are doing home groups. So we're meeting every week in homes on Thursday nights. Uh, And so if you're interested in that, you can go to our website, gradientya.com. And also, every third Thursday of the month, we meet for this, the gradient gatherings. The next one will be December 18th, I think. Maybe not. December, nope, December 16th is the next one. Okay, that was kind of my announcements for now. Ephesians chapter five, verse eight. Paul the apostle writes, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship With unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which were done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake, ye who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. By the way, (laughs) sorry, I'm just ADD right now. If you want to get food during the message, that's totally fine. So don't feel like, oh, I kind of want more food. Feel free. That's why it's here. And with that, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this night that we get to share with each other. Thank you so much for this ministry. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us in a powerful way and just so thankful because no matter who's up here, we know that your spirit is working. Uh, Unless they're a heretic, I guess. But I'm not a heretic, so... I think you're going to do something, hopefully. In Jesus' name, amen. And yes, I did take a picture while we were praying. You should not be looking at me. Okay. (laughs) It's going to be one of those nights. It was one of those days, by the way. All right. So pretend I didn't say any of that stuff before. Here we go. So a lot of people, I think, want to live on life support. Meaning... When you're on life support, your heart is beating, you're breathing, but are you really living? You know, there's a lot of people that you may know that used to come here, part of greener, part of youth group or part of the church and you haven't talked to them in a long time. And so, cause you haven't seen them, you look at social media and you can't help, but you're just kind of like wondering as you're seeing pictures on Instagram or their TikTok videos, you're just kind of wondering, I don't know. Is this person still a Christian? Are they still walking with the Lord? You see them at the mall, you see them out and about at the beach and you're just, it's kind of this awkward thing of like, I haven't seen you in a while, but just because I haven't seen you doesn't mean that you're not in church. Maybe you're at a different church. I don't know, but I don't want to seem judgmental. So I just kind of will glance, kind of just go over whatever and like, oh yeah, I go to Colstead Community Church. Oh, great. Awesome. So you're still a Christian. That's awesome, right? Uh, But I think that, There are a lot of people, it's not about switching churches, but they're in what I call a spiritual coma. They're saved, but they're sleeping. Maybe they're not walking with the Lord. They know the Lord, they have the conviction of the Holy Spirit in their heart, but they're still out getting wasted or sleeping around. Maybe they're not doing something that they would seem, uh, they would say is drastic in terms of the list of sins but they're teetering on the edge. A lot of people I know just passed from my experience as a youth pastor. One of the things about Bible college I love is that you get a great biblical foundation. One of the things I love about Calvary Christian School and Christian High School is a great biblical foundation. One of the things I don't love is oftentimes we have a problem and I'm speaking of myself too. We have a problem with helping people transition out of Bible college, out of Christian high school into a, a college that's not Christian or after Christian college into the workforce where there are a lot of people that aren't saved. And so because of that, you see people slip into a spiritual coma because they're used to every you know having a chapel on Sunday night. They're used to having a youth retreat where they have a spiritual high. They're worshiping with their hands raised. And now it's like, where are they? And so you see these people, oftentimes, you know, you, you talk to somebody, you ask, how are you doing? And they say, you know, I'm, I'm hanging in there. I think that's kind of the question is, is that the life that God expects us to have? You're just barely hanging on. It's like, I, I, I guess I'm okay. Or when Jesus said that you would have life and that more abundantly, was he talking about something entirely different? The goal of Gradient when we started it three years ago is, and this is on the website, to see the spiritually dead come alive and the spiritually alive come awake. Because sometimes people come into this door and they're not saved. They don't know Jesus Christ. And so they have what the Bible calls they're spiritually dead. And we want those people to come to know Jesus, but there's also people who come through the doors and they're sleeping and they need to be awakened. And that's why Ephesians Chapter 5, verse 14, we just read. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Interesting that it says that first you need to wake up, and then God gives you light. In other words, God will not give light to someone who is trying to sleep. You ever try that? Especially on a retreat, or maybe in your dorm room or your roommate. You turn the light on when someone is trying to sleep. God will not give light to someone who's trying to sleep. God will not force you to love him. God will not force you to follow him. If you don't want to follow God, he's not going to make you. And oftentimes I think that what we're trying to do as Christians is we're waiting for God to do all the work. Now that sounds heretical, but here's what I mean. It's like you're facing temptation and you're waiting for God to take the temptation away. But I got news for you. If you're staring at pornography, God is not going to remove the temptation. You're not gonna lose the desire. If you walk into a strip club and you're waiting, all right, God, take the temptation away. It's not gonna happen because God has given you free will and there are certain things that he expects you to do first before he can bless you. I mean, that's just a fact. And when I say certain things you need to do, here's the thing. You just need to be willing. You need to say, God, I need you to help me. I want you. Or even like the one prayer, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I desire you, but I also desire this other thing. Would you save me? That's all perfectly acceptable, but for the person who wants nothing to do with God, he will not force you to follow him. So the very fact that Jesus makes these appeals shows us that waking up is not something God will do for you apart from your will. So here's what you need to know. The life support that you think is keeping you alive is actually keeping you down. You got the oxygen going, you got the IV in your arm and you think that these are the things that are keeping you alive when you are already alive and what you need is to walk that's what God's calling the believer to do today is people are fooled by satan into believing they're spiritually dead when they're alive people are walking around thinking i need alcohol i need pornography i need these relationships because i can't survive without them you want to know how something is an idol in your life when you can't imagine a world without that thing in your life it could be a relationship it could be your job it could be anything anything you put in place of God, my worst nightmare would be that thing taken away. My greatest dream would be the fulfillment of whatever it is the idol would give you. And so the problem with these things is we rely on whatever it is, the relationship, the alcohol, the drugs, whatever, because it becomes automatic. It just becomes our way of life, Right? It becomes the IV in our arm. It becomes the oxygen in our lungs. That's just the way that you function. Now, now that I've moved to Brooklyn uh, a couple weeks ago, and we went to California last week, got back. The first night I was there took me at night an hour to find parking on the street. And it was, it was so frustrating, so exhausting. And I was like, it's a mission field. It's a mission field. So I'm telling myself, I'm texting my friend who lives in the neighborhood and he's like, man, God's gonna strengthen your prayer life so much. <laughs> We're just going to have great times with the Lord. I'm like, literally, but the problem is it took me so long because I didn't know where all the spots were. I didn't know where the fire hydrants are. I know this is like kind of unfamiliar for you guys, but so I'm just looking around because it's, it's not new. So I, I can't like pray while I'm doing that. I can't like think about other things. I'm just focused on like, where should I go? I don't know where to go because things are not automatic. It's much like when I first got married, and the very first day, it's like, I'm hungry. And it's like, well, I don't know where anything is. I don't, I mean, I moved in to the apartment and so there's cereal there, but then you don't eat the cereal and what clothes do you wear? I don't know where the clothes are and I don't know who wears these clothes. So all those things that you do on a regular basis without thinking, right? You, you put your shoes on, you brush your teeth, you know where all those things are. You don't think about, oh, I need to find my toothbrush. I mean, maybe you do and maybe you should if you haven't found your toothbrush yet. But most of you do things automatically, right? Without even thinking about it. And some of you have built habits of sin that you do automatically without thinking about it. It's your routine to look at pornography at a certain time of day or after a certain, it's, it's your way to relax. You smoke weed because it's the right, way to relax. You go out with friends, you party, you drink because it's, it's all you know. This is just built into my life. And it's the IV, it's the oxygen, it's the life support that you don't need because you're already alive. But what you need to do is you need to find out your new routines. You need to find out how to walk. You need to know what it's like to walk in the spirit so you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You need rewiring. And so today what we're gonna focus on is if you wanna wake up from your spiritual coma, then there are three ways that God teaches us how we should walk. Number one, to walk in light. Number two, walk in wisdom. And then number three, walk in love. Walk in light, walk in wisdom, walk in love. So number one, walk in light. You see in verse eight through 14, Paul says, you're once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light, For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, Paul knew what darkness was. He persecuted Christians. He killed Christians for their faith in Jesus. And so he knew the depths of his own sin. He said, I'm the chief of all sinners. And so this is why we are to know that if we're in Christ, we are a child of God, we don't want to go back to what that life was. We don't want to return to darkness. And for Paul, what took him to get out of that darkness was literally Jesus appearing to him in this great light that knocked him off of his donkey as he was traveling on the road to Damascus. Everybody else saw this great blinding light and he saw Jesus. And if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the light, there's no reason for you to go back to darkness. And listen what it says. It says in verse 11, it says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So if you're in Christ, you're a child of God, you don't return to darkness, and you don't have company or fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Now, unfruitful, first, he talks about this way of doing works, right? Don't invest in things that aren't going to last. It's almost like if you invest in the stock market, like I kind of dabble and I have no idea what I'm doing. And then you're like investing this one stock because you hear everybody else invest in that one stock. And then before you know it, you're losing money. Not not a lot of money, but enough money to make you hurt inside. And, and you realize like, this is unfruitful. I'm getting nothing out of this. And so a lot of us, we know what that's like. You're investing in something that's not producing any fruit. And you keep on believing it's gonna work out, right? It's like, you're on five dates with the same person and then you get friend zoned at the end. You're like, what was the point of this? Like, why did I pay for all those meals? You're like thinking back, like I just wasted so much time. Why didn't you just tell me the first time, right? And so it is with the things that we do. When we sin, oftentimes we don't see that it's this pitch, right? If you invest in me, you invest your time, I'm gonna give you the things that you really want. But it's nothing but the unfruitful works of darkness. But he also says fellowship or company. Now, what he says is to not have company with the unfruitful works of darkness. He doesn't say to not have company with people that are in darkness. Interesting. Why? Because we're supposed to shine light in the darkness for people that need Jesus. So you can have company with unbelievers without keeping company with works of darkness. But do you make that distinction? So, especially, I'm speaking as a guy, if if you're around other guys and they're telling dirty jokes, do you share in the unfruitful works of darkness? If people are getting drunk all around you and you're having a casual drink, are you sharing in the unfruitful works of darkness? If, and as a guy, I'm just telling you from my experience, I don't know what it is for the ladies, but if there are guys derogatorily talking about women or in a degrading way, are you sharing in the unfruitful works of darkness? Or are you, what, what does it say? Rather, verse 11, expose them. Oh, everybody Everybody hates being that guy. Nobody wants to be that guy, right? I mean, it's in the Bible. Even I'm like reading this like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, you know what that's like. When you're sitting around in the room and you're like, oh, if I say something, they're going to like totally think that I think I'm better than them or something, Right? So you don't want to expose it, but the Bible says, expose it. Verse 12, for it's shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Darkness has power because it's done in secret. When nobody else sees, nobody else knows. It's the guy who's stealing from his boss. You're watching it happen. And you're like, I really should say something, but I don't know if I want to expose him. He's, he's going to get in trouble. He's going to hate me, right? So here's the question, and this is really here's like the big question nobody asks. Can you expose the works of darkness without condemning the worker? Can you expose the works of darkness without condemning the worker? I don't know how to do that. And that's why in verse 15, we need wisdom. So he says, see then that you walk circumspectly, exactly, precisely, not as fools, as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. So we need to walk in wisdom, right? So I don't want to go too far ahead of myself for a second. So just go to verse 13 again. So verse 13 says, "But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light." Therefore, he says, "Awake ye who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light." So if you're a Christian, if you are light, then by your very nature, things will be exposed, right? Like, that's just what's going to happen. If you are light, either you hide your light or the light will expose the darkness, which means that the gospel is both bad news and good news. We have to be willing to share with people the problem because if you don't expose the darkness, people will never think they need a savior. If you never tell people, hey, listen, the way you are living is destructive, then people will never see that the way that the, you know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. They'll never see the death part of it if you don't share with them that there's death, but there's life in Jesus. It's only when things are exposed that people can truly experience salvation. So being willing to be wise in how we do it because we don't want to condemn the worker. Even Jesus said in John 3, 17, I didn't come to the world to condemn the world, but to save it. And oftentimes we think it's a contradiction, right? Like how in the world do I share with people what they're doing is dangerous, right? All sin is dehumanizing. All sin hurts God and hurts other people, regardless of whether we think of it or not. So how do I tell people that and not make the person feel condemned? Like I'm looking at who they are as if it defines them. They will probably all already look at it that way because they define themselves by their idol, but I need to separate those two, right? Like when you're talking to somebody who has perhaps same-sex attractions, can you speak to that person and say like, hey, listen, I understand that you feel like this is natural. You, like, you feel like you didn't choose this. I understand that, I completely understand that. And I need to also tell you, here's what the Bible says. And here's what I believe on how, if you pursue that lifestyle, it's not gonna bring you the the happiness that you really think it's gonna bring you. It's not gonna bring you the joy that you you think it's gonna, it'll always be, they're just pushing the benchmark a little bit farther, right, the goalposts. I just, if I just have okay, now we're married. Okay, now we have this thing. Now we have a kid. How come I'm still not fulfilled? Well, I'm here to tell you that it's only through Jesus Christ. And that's for both homosexual, heterosexual, transgender, it's for anybody. The only person who can fulfill us is Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm here to tell you. And it's by sharing those things at the same time saying, but listen, I want you to know something. By me saying that about your activity, I know it's really hard to understand that, but like, I love you. And hopefully it's not just words when you say it. Hopefully they've seen that demonstrated, right? Like oftentimes people don't believe you because they know you, right? Like you say you love me, but at some point you need to show that you love me. But if you can show that you're there for people in the darkest moments, then when you're critical about the things that are in their life without condemning the person, they understand that. So for that, we need to walk in wisdom. Verse 15 through 21. See, then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, once again, circumspectly just means precisely. You're walking sure of where your feet are going. Now, for me, in rock climbing, I know sports analogies are always dangerous, but uh, in rock climbing, it matters where you put your feet. And oftentimes, if you want to get to the top of a boulder or a cliff, it's all about a matter of just like, where did you put your feet? Because you're like, you're tired, you're struggling, you're doing everything within your power and still not enough, well, you just put your foot here, like it unlocks the, the whole sequence and you can do it. Same thing when you're dancing with someone. It matters when you're dancing with someone else where you put your feet so you don't stumble on top of each other. Now, in the same way, God's calling us to be sure of where each foot is going next. Put your foot down, Surely, exactly, precisely, and plan your feet firmly in the direction of God's will. Like you're not just living your life haphazardly. You're waking up and going, I have no idea what what I'm doing today or tomorrow, the day after, or in five years. But understand what the will of the Lord is, the Bible says. So do you know God's will for your life? And if you don't know, that should be your full-time job is to find out what is God's plan for me. What does he desire for me? And that's why a lot of times we don't see that, like in verse 16, the days are evil. Satan would love for you and me to just waste our time on social media, waste precious days that we have and just say, you know what, why don't you just, it doesn't matter. The future doesn't matter. What you're doing for the Lord doesn't matter. Serving at the church doesn't matter. Like all those things don't matter. And then you, bel- you, you begin to believe, maybe my life doesn't matter. I mean, the most depressing moments of my life are the times that I had no idea of what I was doing and it felt like everybody else did. It's that time of just figuring out like, well, what am I good at? What is my gifting? What is my calling? And so many of you guys know, I was single for all of my 20s. And as I was single for all my 20s, I was the most notorious single guy at church and also churches across America and many different pastors praying for me. Before I would teach, one pastor prayed for me and said like, Lord God, let pray for Alan that he finally finds a wife. Maybe she's here today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Alan, here's the mic. And I was like, this is, the, this is terrible. Afterwards, he's like, so did anybody talk to you about the message? Like strangely enough, it was only men who talked to me afterwards. <laughs> Right? So I'm not going to lie. There are plenty of times that it was lonely. It was depressing. It was frustrating being on dates with other people and be like, this is, this is totally not working. This is weird. And like, why, why am I doing this? Right? But after a while, I began to realize that I can use the time as a single person to do things that I can't do when I'm married. And so I started going on. Prayer retreats, and I would go to Boston or North, Carol- uh, uh, not North, Carol- yeah, North Carolina, um, wherever. I would just kind of go, and I'd just take a day and just kind of walk around and pray. And I wanted to seek what is God's will for my life. And you know what? God didn't tell me on those prayer retreats, I'm going to have you marry Jen, in four years. He didn't tell me those things. But as I took those times to do things that I could only do when I was single, God started to bless it. And God started to show me what the next step was. He didn't tell me what five years was going to do, but he told me, I want you to plant a church in Brooklyn. And that was six years ago. And that happened precisely because I started going to Williamsburg, which is not where I'm planting the church. And I would just get coffee and I'd kind of walk around and I would pray. And I would start going to Brooklyn Boulders and Gowanus and I'd kind of walk around and pray. And then a pastor said like, hey, I have a parking parking lot in park slope and you can use the parking lot whenever you come here. So I'd drive and park in his parking lot and then just walk around and I didn't know how much of a blessing that was, by the way, until now. And I pray. And I'm not the example by any means because there are so many times that I felt even then I wasn't measuring up. Like I was still not doing enough. And so some of you guys need grace in that moment. But you'll only find that grace if you're seeking God's will. You know what I'm saying? Like you, only, you will not find grace in legalism You will only find grace when you're in God's presence. So when you take the time intentionally to say like, I need to understand what the will of God is. You sit in his presence and you find his favor. And you also find a man's heart plans his way, the Lord directs his steps. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Those are both proverbs. So that's what we need to do. So be firmly planting your feet in the direction of God's will. The opposite of this is found in verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. If you've ever seen people or if you've ever done a sobriety test and you get pulled over and the police officer, I don't know this from experience, but I'm just saying, in case you're wondering, it's totally fine if if you have, oh, this is bad. So anyway, (laughs) let's hypothetically say we all know what this test is like, right? So the police officer just asks you one simple question. I want you to kind of stand and then put one foot in front of the other and walk in a straight line. And a person who's drunk will not be able to do that. A person who's drunk can't firmly plant their feet in one direction. And sadly, and this is kind of a metaphor, but it's also true. A lot of times people go to weed or drugs of other sorts, to alcohol, to alcohol, to escape the problems and not think about their life. But God wants you to think intently about your life. In fact, he wants you to think about what God thinks about your life. And that can only happen if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, don't be filled with wine in which is dissipation, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let God's Spirit so firmly plant your feet in the direction of God's will that every step you take, you know that you're following Jesus. So, verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So why is he talking about singing and speaking? Why, like, he's talking about don't get drunk, be filled with the Holy Spirit, now he's saying singing, like, that's probably like 3% of people here, right? Like, now everybody sings. The point here is, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit can lead you into a life that's joyful, right? It has nothing to do with talent, but there are times that you rejoice out loud when you're excited or passionate or happy. And that's the life that God wants you to live, not a life of misery, not a life where you're barely hanging in there but he wants you to live a life that's overflowing with God's spirit so that every step that you take is firmly planted in the direction of God's will and you're sure of it. You're not depressed, you're not anxious, although we may have days like that, but you know at the end of the day, I'm headed in a direction. I can deal with the frustration of parking and it takes, it'll probably take me another hour tonight. And reminding ourselves like, but, but every moment I have, I can redeem the time. Right? Every moment I have, the moments that are frustrating, the moment I, right before I came here, I'm pushing my car in 1992 Toyota MR2, which I didn't even figure out what to do with it because it stalled and then, because I was charging the battery. Long story short, I'm pushing the car by myself in the parking space. That's why I was late. And I was so frustrated. And it's like reminding myself, even as I'm talking about, like every moment can be redeemed. All things can work together for God's good. So serving God doesn't have to be miserable. And some of you feel that way. Like you feel like if you serve God with all your heart, he's going to call you to Africa to be a missionary. And you're terrified of that. So you don't pray that hard. Right? Your worst nightmare is like, Lord God, please don't call me to a place I don't want to go. But the fact of the matter is, if you're following God's will, you'll find that you'll be fulfilled in no other place than the center of God's will. Like there'll be a moment that you're there and just like, wait a minute. This is what I was designed to do. Like, I almost feel like when God made me, he said, in the future, I want you to do this precise thing I'm doing today. I knew that from a very early age when I was like six years old and I'm evangelizing to my neighbor and I had my own mistakes and I had my time of maybe not walking with the Lord. But I remember that just sharing with my neighbor because I wanted him to be saved. And that same heart has followed me all of my life. And that's been the one thing that's most exciting to me is being able to see people's lives transformed by the power of the gospel. So lastly, we see walk in love. Just verse one and two, we'll be closing up. Walk in love, he says, therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Now this is a verse that I talked about with my kids the other day. Uh, We had a little mini Bible study. But what's interesting with Nova over there is Nova's starting to learn a couple words, which is really awesome. She's at a point now where she can start to interact a little bit. And what I realized is every single word that Nova learned, she learned from one of either me or my wife or, or our kids. Right? Everything that she learned, she's watching somebody else and learning it from somebody else. So when the Bible says, be imitators of God as dear children, how do you become an imitator of God? You have to sit in his presence. You got to stare at his face. You got to know his heart. And when you are, you automatically begin to emulate him. You begin to share the things that he's sharing, speak the things that he's speaking, know the things that he knows. So what God desires for all of us as dear children is to imitate our Heavenly Father. So what does that look like? Well, walk in love. As Christ has demonstrated this love for us, he's given himself for us. And that's become a sweet smelling aroma, a sacrifice to God, right? One of the most powerful senses we have is our smell. Like you may be walking around, you ever walk around like outside and someone walks by you with cologne and you smell it and you're like, how much cologne did you put on you? Like it stays with you. Or if it's like perfume from like your first girlfriend when you're like 14 and like, it's like, I'm sorry. I just, I can't talk to you. It's like, it's just triggering so many memories, right? Like, you know what that's like because smell is really powerful. And what God is saying is we should be diffusing God's fragrance. People should know just by you stepping in the room, wow, there's something different about you, right? You have Jesus Christ in your heart and we're reflecting that. And beyond everything else, we are to walk in love. And if we miss that, we miss everything, right? You should be awake, but not from this weird condemnation guilt thing to be like, all right, let's really get your act together. You walk in love because you are loved. And when you're in love, you just start walking. You start doing stuff. Everybody knows what it's like to watch a guy who's falling in love. He's like, oh gosh, here he goes again. Like, what, where are you going? Like, oh bro, like. Matt Schuller came over here from Philly. Sorry to call you out, but it's true. Like, why, why is Matt coming from Philly all the time? He's in love. <laughs> so, Matt, listen. People are going to remember this for the rest of the night. Um, sorry. So... For us as believers, like if we are missing that aspect, we're missing everything. That we are pursuing God because he first pursued us. We're loving him because he first loved us. And we're walking only because he's moving and we want to follow him. Does that make sense? So in conclusion tonight, just kind of briefly, you know, I've been on staff here at Catholic Chapel, which for 11 years as a pastor, 16 years in youth ministry. I'm actually, I'm pretty sure... I've served in youth ministry longer than anybody else in the church. So um, why do I say that? Not to brag. I say that because <laughs> chances are like 80% of the people in this room, I was your youth pastor, which is pretty crazy, right? Um, so you know what it's like? You know what it's like to be on a youth retreat? You know what it's like to go on a mission trip perhaps? We went to Mexico and Haiti and England and all these other awesome places. And so, like, as a youth pastor, I've watched so many moments, a lot, a lot of lows, a lot of people committing suicide, people who have been raped, people who need counseling because they're depressed or anxious or whatever. And we've walked people through a lot of this. I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about leadership. We've seen a lot of people here in this group go through so many difficult times or going to the hospital, praying over people who go through all different kinds of diagnosis and we're just praying for God to do a miracle or someone who has an accident or different, whatever. We've been in those low moments. We've been in the high moments, right? You're on a retreat and everybody's raising their hand in worship, being in England and still this, like, his, this crazy story of people on their knees worshiping and coming back and then the whole church is transformed. And um, that was a surprise. So you had the lows, you had the highs. I'm pretending I lost my train of thought. Okay. So if there's one thing that I hope that everybody remembers here is that there are people that are no longer here. You guys made it. And I'm I'm so blessed to be a part of your life. I'm blessed that we we're able to. I'm a really bad crier in front of people, so it's going to take a second. OK. I'm blessed that we've been able to share in so many awesome memories that I'm going to remember forever. But <laughs> this is so embarrassing. But Okay. As this is the last time I can shush you as an adult, okay? <laughs> what I think that God is doing here is really cool because there are a lot of people who have been transformed in really powerful ways and it's been inspiring. A lot of you guys are serving in ministry, which is amazing. And at the same time, there are a lot of people who have left. And What I'm saying is after I leave, the one thing that I hope that you remember is to walk in love. That you don't forget about those people that are on the outside looking in and they're seeing you with that joy of the Holy Spirit. Because they're seeing you filled and you're serving and you're living out that calling. But people who are on the outside are gonna look in and say, man, I remember what that's like. And I wish I could come back. And it's your job and it's my job to remember, uh, to remind them that there's always a path back to the Father's house. So now, what am I doing? I'm moving to Brooklyn, which means I'm not that far, and I hope that everybody visits. But I want you to also know something. Just as I've been involved in your life, right, you guys have taught me stuff in amazing ways. I've grown so much in the past 11 years that's equipped me specifically to be able to go and pastor in Brooklyn. But also beyond that, if you remember, right before the pandemic, We raised $5,000 in a month from your money, no no other people from the church, $5,000 to bless a church in Brooklyn. That same church that you raised the $5,000 a month, that same church is the church that we've been meeting it once a month to do a new believers class. So just thinking about like, and they're letting us uh, meet there for free, but just thinking about like your small investment then has enabled us to do ministry there. And so there is a way to stay in touch with us because I do a newsletter every month. I know a lot of people don't read email, but I'm hoping that you continue to pray for our family. You remember us in your prayers in the newsletter, but also believe it or not, there is something that we never talk about as young adult ministry called tithing. <laughs> and uh, I would first and foremost say, just because you don't see things happen with your money at Calvary Chapel Ulbridge does not mean that your gift doesn't matter to God, right? Like there are so many things that like when you give your gift in faith, it's like the woman with two mites. The woman who gave of the little that she had gave more than all the wealthy people. And I would say it's the same thing now as a senior pastor myself. Like we've had over 150 people give donations to the church, which is awesome, which has enabled us directly to go and minister Like I would not be able to afford it and move to New York City unless people have been giving. But I'm more blessed because I see the names and see the faces of people who say like, yes, we believe in you, we're behind you, we support you. And that's an incredible feeling because in the dark moments of the times, you're like, what am I doing? I'm crazy. I'm searching for parking for an hour, right? Those moments, I'm like, but I know I have the church behind me, they're praying for me and they're giving towards that. And that's more powerful to see a person give like 20 bucks a month but there's like 150 of those people than it is to see like one guy give, you know, a whole ton of money, he's like really wealthy. Because if the one person gives all the money, then I'm gonna feel like he started the church. But really, like if there's a lot of people that give, then I feel like, wow, all of us. So this is not, I'm not saying I need your money, right? But I know for me, there's been times that I've like, man, I wish I gave to that church plant because I see that they're up and running, God's doing miracles, and I wish I had been a part of it. And what I'm saying is I know some of you will not be able to follow us into Brooklyn. Some of you can, and that's awesome. But for those that can't, you're just as much a part of it by your gift because that's what directly enables us to support. Even without you physically going, you can go in spirit. So we'll give you a way to do that too. Actually, Benji, if you could just put the slide up. There's a QR code. If you scan it, you can follow us on Instagram, sign up for the newsletter, and also there's a link to give in in case God... Puts on your heart. I would say like, don't, if you're going to switch your tithe, don't switch your tithe from like, you know, our church from CCOB, that, that's not cool. But whatever God puts on your heart, I don't know, maybe you can't afford $100 a month or whatever. I don't know what it is for you. But what I am saying is, uh, you guys will always be family. Always be praying for you guys. And just because I'm leaving, here, here's the other thing. And this is, I'll, I'll stop talking after this. But once again, hear me because it's my last time. Um, I really am more confident in your health and your ability to walk with the Lord without me than any other time I think in the history of this church. What I mean by that is, it has something to do with me too. Like when other guys were leading the young adults ministries, it was often nothing against them, great guys. It was often just the one guy doing everything. But now we have great leaders right, the Larsons, the Evans, the Ings, we have different people who are committed to you. Like, I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to set up tables or anything. Like, that's amazing. Meanwhile, I'm in Brooklyn, literally carrying a case of water on my head and like food in a, in a Ikea bag and it's strapped to my backpack. And I'm walking five blocks by myself. I'm like, this is totally not the, not the way to do it, right? But like, I don't have to worry about you guys. You guys are gonna be cared for, right? And beyond that, dun, dun, dun. Uh, about a year ago, no, probably a year and a half ago, I started praying, God, all right, what are we going to do? I want to move to Brooklyn. I think you're calling me out in September of 2021. But we don't have anybody on staff that can lead the young adults ministry. Lo and behold, Jay Falls Rano says, hey, there's a guy who's like 35 and he's a pastor at another church and he's going to come on staff at Calvary Chapel Old Bridge. I was like, really? Do you think he wanted to young adults? He's like, I don't know, Maybe. And so I started praying. I was like, this could be the answer to the prayer. I've been praying for like a year. And he comes on staff and immediately he gets pummeled with tons of work, right? It's like, all right, great. We got the guy who can take on the work. And they're like, oh, well, you're in the military. So I mean, I mean so you can basically do anything. So like they give him a whole bunch of things to do. Um, so initially he wasn't, you know, that keen on taking on new things. However, as he's been around you guys, and as he's been around the church, he has a huge heart for discipleship. And so Pastor Chris, over there, you just wave your hand. Pastor Chris. Yeah. Who many of you guys already know, he's going to be taking over the ministry along with Pastor Jason Falzerano. He's going to be helping out with the ministry, kind of undergirding him, especially with teaching. And then... You know, George Evans, who's been here since the beginning of Gradient, he's going to make sure that it's kind of consistent in the way that it's been going, so that we're, we're having consistent in, uh, consistency and direction. At the same time, um, we're, we're all open to new things. We believe that God's going to grow this ministry. We don't think a single person is going to leave just because I left. In fact, it's only going to grow. So, um, and on top of that, I mean, just the Larsons and Ings have been incredible, just in all that they've been able to do with the ministry. So... We have full confidence that you guys are gonna be in great hands. Um, But pray for them, pray for Pastor Chris as he takes on this new venture. And um, I think that's it, I think that's all I had to say. So, um, yeah, you have my QR code, just making sure I have everything. Okay, I wanna change the world. I hope that you'll join me in that mission. Let's pray.